I want you all to mark October of 2022 as a significant month in the history of college football. In the month of October, Illinois has gained a footing in the top 25 for the first time since 2011. Tennessee beat Alabama for the first time in nearly two decades. Nick Saban, to go along with that, to draw a parallel, Nick Saban, for the first time in his career, lost to the University of Tennessee. TCU, under first-year head coach Sonny Dykes, is 6-0, undefeated. They came back in historic fashion to beat Oklahoma State. Undefeated USC traveled into Salt Lake City, Utah, led or tied the entire game, and then Kyle Whittingham says, screw you all, I'm going for two, and he wins it, and USC goes home with a stinging L. Also, James Madison, for its the, its first year in FBS football, gained its first ever footing in the top 25 this month. So a very, very significant month in the history of college football. And one more thing to add before we specifically talk about this game, I think Texas is back, and I think it's for good. They're 5-2, and 3-1 and one in conference. They know how to clutch and win in close games. I'm very impressed with them. Anyway, let's get to this game. I brought up that whole significance and how significant this month is because Illinois plays a huge part in it. The Fighting Illini, I predicted them to be, what, I think 3-9 and nine or 4-8. and eight. They've already surpassed my predicted win mark by two or three wins, and they have five more games left to play. They're 6-1, and 3-1 and one in the Big Ten. They had what only what I can describe as somewhat of a flu a fluky loss to Indiana. They look much better and are so much more efficient than they were early in the season. And it's Illinois and Purdue's race to the, the Big Ten West. Minnesota's one and two. Wisconsin's one and three. Um, Nebraska's two and two. Nebraska played Purdue competitively, so maybe the Huskers can do something. Northwestern is completely out of the race. Iowa, they had a bye this week, but seeing that they're going to lose to Ohio State, they're out of the race too. It's really between Illinois and Purdue. Those two are probably going to be the ones that will represent the West Division in Indy. No one thought that Illinois could have been in this position, and yet here they are. Illinois has a sneaky good quarterback in Tommy DeVito, who after yesterday's game is 32nd in QB rating, according to ESPN, and he has a 145.8 passer rating. To give some perspective, that's as that's actually a little better than Cade McNamara's passer rating last season. So Illinois, they have decent to above average to good QB play. They have a great running back in Chase Brown. They have a solid defense, a defense that is top 10 in efficiency. And yesterday, before playing Minnesota, they were the number one scoring defense in the nation. This team's legit. Six wins. They're already bowl eligible in Brett's first season. There's a huge possibility that, given Illinois' schedule, let's check out the Illini's schedule here. They play at Nebraska, host Michigan State, host Purdue, play at Michigan, and play at Northwestern. This team could realistically finish 10-2. That's a possibility. 10-2 or 9-3. 
maybe I'd say eight and four is probably the worst expected outcome that I would see. I don't see them going one and four. Don't see them go. I don't see them going any worse than two and three in their next five games. I don't don't see that happening. I really only see them going honestly three and two, four and one, just maybe two and three. This is a solid Illinois team. Throughout this game, Illinois they just slowly but surely beat down the Golden Gophers. There's no secret to it. You look at the box score, you look at total yards, you look at team stats. It was just Illinois being more efficient, being just the superior team in every way except for running back. Mo Ibrahim had much better statistics, specifically yards per carry, and having a touchdown which is more than what Chase Brown had. Chase Brown outgained him in total yards, but not yards per carry. But everything else outside of running back favored the Illini. Illinois had 472 total yards to Minnesota's 180. Minnesota threw three interceptions. Illinois had 27 first downs to Minnesota's 12. Illinois was 6 of 17 on third down and 4 of 4 on fourth down. One of those fourth downs was converted by a pass from Tommy DeVito. So Illinois again going back to their offense, which has not been viewed as a strength of this team. They had nearly 500 total yards on a really good defense. Part of that was how good Illinois' defense was at shutting down Minnesota's offense, but nonetheless, this is a great Illinois team. And I was focusing more on Minnesota coming like for the preview episode because I thought Minnesota was the better team. But Illinois is now clearly, after this game, the, the superior unit. Clearly the superior team. So I want to focus here on the winner, which would be the Fighting Illini. And with that, I want to go into analyzing more of this game. Illinois worked Minnesota, and Minnesota died by a thousand paper cuts, and then Brett Bielema taking some beer out of the cooler and just pouring the alcohol on every little cut. 12-point win, but nearly outgaining your opponent by 300 yards and kicking four field goals. That, that's a painful way to lose, a painful way to go. Minnesota actually was leading Illinois by one point early in the third quarter. Then Illinois had a Tommy DeVito run, which was a beautiful read option play that Minnesota never, never caught on to until it was too late. 20-14, to 14, then throughout the fourth quarter, Illinois makes it a two-score game by a Fra- Fabrizio, Fabrizio, yeah, Fabrizio Pinton, 23-yard field goal, and then he does a 30-yard field goal to make it a double-digit lead, and that closes out the game for Illinois. Minnesota has slipped away from contending for the West. I think that's close to being factual. Now, if they somehow win out, might be a different story. But seeing that you have Penn State six days from today, host Rutgers, travel to Nebraska, host Northwestern in Iowa, and play at Wisconsin— I'm definitely seeing a loss or two, a loss or two there. I know that Minnesota just played the two best, I'd say arguably the two best teams on their schedule thus far. Purdue and Illinois are much better than Colorado, Western Illinois, New Mexico State, and Michigan State. And who knows, Illinois might be better than Penn State. Purdue 
to Purdue with the way Purdue's playing now, Purdue might be close to Penn State or similar. I still think just looking at the schedule that Penn State just looking at it from an objective view and what the records are for teams and what they've accomplished, I'd say Penn State is going to be Minnesota's toughest game. Another conference loss puts you at three conference losses and then losing to Purdue and Illinois. The teams that lead the division means that tiebreakers and other other barriers are already installed. So I think Minnesota, at this point, you just got to hope that you can get to a solid bowl game, improve off last season. You really got to hope to win out, though, because this team returned a lot of sixth-year COVID eligibility starters, like Tanner Morgan, for example, that you're going to lose after this season. And Muhammad Ibrahim is going to be gone after this season. So Minnesota, you really want to win out or maybe lose one more game so that you can get 9, 10 wins, 10 or 11 wins in your 10 or 11 wins if you can win your bowl game. That's really what you want to aim for. And that is very unlikely, the, ten, the double-digit win part especially, but it is possible because we've seen this team and how efficient it was in its first four games. Yes, it was against garbage opponents, but they played much better football from a baseline standpoint in those first four games than they did in their most recent two games the Golden Gophers have. The passing attack was the deciding factor in this game, specifically this passing attack, in reference to Illinois' passing attack. Tommy DeVito, I did not expect him to start in this game because he was questionable, limited in practice, you never know what that means, so I just went with the fact that Arthur Sitkowski is going to start for Illinois. No. No. Anything but. Tommy DeVito starts. He's 25 of 32 for 252 yards and one passing touchdown. He also has 17 rushing yards on three carries, one touchdown there. Minnesota didn't have a single sack in this game. They had eight tackles for loss. But they didn't have a single sack. Illinois had two sacks, five QB hurries, just pressuring Minnesota and Tanner Morgan out of their minds. The passing attack was the deciding factor because you look at you look at defense and Minnesota had eight tackles for loss and a pass defended. Illinois had five passes defended, five QB hurries, two sacks, but only three tackles for loss. And Minnesota still had 85 total tackles. I mean, both of these defenses played well. The reason Illinois mainly won this game in relation to the passing attack was they had 40 minutes of T.O.P. Minnesota's defense was on the field for 40 minutes, and I talked about this in relation to Michigan and Penn State. Any defense, when they are on the field for around the 40-minute mark, you begin to see cracks in the foundation. The mentality begins to break. For the defense, they begin to sweat, they begin to get dehydrated, they begin to doubt, and it all begins to fall apart. And that's what happened to a certain degree with Minnesota's defense. Though they only surrendered 26 points and were on the field for 40 minutes, and that just shows that Minnesota has a damn good defense. It's facts. But Illinois was able to pass for 252 yards. 7.9 yards per pass attempt. Minnesota only had 38 passing yards for 2.1 yards per pass, and they also threw three picks. So that passing game, that was the deciding factor here. And Illinois, to my surprise, had the much superior passing game to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. 
Illinois and Purdue are the clear favorites to win the West Division. We've already talked about this, but just want to go over it some more. Purdue's only defeats are to a 5-1 and Penn State team whose sole loss is to, in my opinion, what is obviously a top three Michigan team. And their other loss is to Syracuse, who's 6-0, and handily beat NC State, who Grand was out was without Devin Leary, but they're still 6-0. and And both of those games, Purdue led and was in those games the entire time. They lost within the last minute of each of those games. Within With less than one minute remaining, Purdue let Penn State and Syracuse score touchdowns, passing touchdowns, to win the game. There is an alternate reality where this Purdue squad is definitely 6-0. Definitely. And there is an alternate reality where this Illinois squad is 7-0. So, I don't know what to tell you. Those two teams are the best in the West Division, and I expect one of them to appear in Indy. That's for sure. Barry Looney Jr., who was hired as offensive coordinator um, by Brett Bielema after this past season, he has a great offense that can run and pass effectively. Tommy DeVito being 32nd in QBR, having a passer rating above 140, and Chase Brown surpassing the 1,000-yard marker. He has 1,059 rushing yards, four touchdowns, 5.5 yards per carry. That's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, Chase Brown already has more attempts on the ground, like more rushing attempts and more rushing yards than he did last season already. He still has five more games left to play. He has one less rushing touchdown, but I anticipate that he's going to get probably two or three more given what Illinois loves to do on the ground. So he'll he'll have a career-high rushing touchdown amount. He'll have a career-high rushing yard amount, carries amount. I don't know if his average yards per carry will be a career-high. That's yet to be seen. But Chase Brown also has two receiving touchdowns as well and 100 receiving yards. So Barry Looney Jr. knows what he's doing on offense. It's a great offense for sure. And the fact that they scored 26 on Minnesota and controlled the game through the run and the pass speaks to Illinois' threat on offense. The Illini also have one of the best defenses in the country right now. They only allow like around 8-9 points per game, which is crazy. Minnesota, I think, was second in scoring defense with 8.8. Now that's probably no longer the case. And here we are. Michigan's going to have one of the best scoring defenses in the nation, too, after holding Penn State to just 17. Georgia had a shutout, so they'll probably move up in the total, not total, not just total defense rankings, but the scoring defense rankings. Scoring defense by far is the most underrated defensive statistic. Like, that should be, to a certain degree, and same thing with offense, like, the amount you score or allow to be scored on you should be the only, the only benchmark. To a certain extent, there's an argument for that. And for that, Illinois has one of the best defenses in the country. There's a reason they were able to win a 9-6 football game. Granted, it was against Iowa. There's also a reason they were allowed to kick four field goals and they held Minnesota to 14 points. This team is something else. They're a Brett Bielema-type football team. And part and 
because of the way modern college football works, it's hard to compute that you can still play that style of football and look like you might get double-digit wins at a school like Illinois with talent that's outside of the top 50. But here we are. This is a chaos year, and I'm all for it, and I'm going to be rooting for Illinois and Brett Bielema. Hopefully, when they play my Michigan Wolverines, it's a ranked matchup. I'd love to see that. For Minnesota, Ibrahim had success on the ground, but the rest of the offense was um, projectile vomit worthy. It wasn't good. Ibrahim averaged 8.5 yards per carry. 15 carries for 127 yards and a TD. Now he had a long of 44, so you know if you have one long run, but all the other runs are small, that one long run is going to it's gonna stat pad you. And that's exactly what happened here to a certain degree. But Ibrahim still had success on the ground. The problem, of course, was the fact that Tanner Morgan was 4 of 12 for 21 yards, 1.8 yards per pass attempt, and he threw a pick. And then when he went out... His backup went 2 of 6 for 17 yards, 2.8 yards per pass. He threw two picks, and he had a QBR of 5.8. You convert 5.8 to feet, and I am taller than that QB rating. It's not good. Brevin Spanford led the team in receptions with 4 and receiving yards with 32. If you lead your team in receiving and have 32 receiving yards... Unless some of your other receivers also have, you know, 30 yards or some yardage totals around you, that's not good. And Minnesota's next leading receiver was Daniel Jackson with one reception for four yards. Only three Minnesota players had a reception. Muhammad Ibrahim, Daniel Jackson, and Brevin Spanford. It was a pathetic offensive performance by Minnesota and Kirk Sharaka. The defense was on the field for 40 minutes and still held, held Illinois to 26. In my book, that's a win for the Minnesota defense. It's a defense that has had issues in the front seven because of all the losing production they had, and they've had some issues at corner too. But at safety and at linebacker, they're very solid. And overall, Joe Rossi is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, in my opinion led a really great defense last year. The defense is still great this season. Um, by comparison, just talking to a Minnesota fan, it's much better than Jim Leonard's defense is currently. Much better. That's for certain. So both of these teams are solid. They're not below average Power 5 teams. Minnesota's probably an average or above average Power 5 team. Illinois is a good, potentially, I say this carefully potentially great power five team but that's yet to be seen they just have they don't have the amount of raw and star talent to fully make that judgment yet and they lost to indiana which indiana's three and four that's not exactly it's not anything to be proud of but illinois beaten wisconsin they beat iowa and they beat minnesota and those three programs out of all the programs in the Big Ten West, it's those three, those are the top three programs of the past several years in, in the West. have been Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. And Illinois has beaten all three. They're undefeated in divisional play. So I expect the Fighting Illini or the Purdue Boilermakers to be in Indy when that time comes around. And with that, that's the end of this video. 
If you liked it, make sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, click the notification bell, and comment who you think is going to the Big Ten Championship game. Comment your prediction for that down below right now. Thank you all for watching, and if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to follow the channel. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you guys later. Have a good day.